All right, welcome to Craft Imperial. This is the Viking. I am the Bourbon Cowboy. We sit here, discuss great cigars, great whiskey, and have a lot of fun with banter and discussing all these great cigars and bourbon. We'll sit here every week with you, enjoy this podcast, different cigars, different whiskey, all the banter, a lot of fun, a lot of nonsense, and (laughs) that's what it's about. Thank you for joining Craft the Puro. Please enjoy this episode. Cheers. I don't know what it means. How I perceive it. What's this? Got a lot of spice in the retro. Mm-hmm. It's toasty. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, give it some more. Well, this is coming around to you next. Why don't you walk us in? We're live. <laughs> I did that thing again. Oh well, hell. <laughs> so here we are at Lit, sitting with Luciano and Andrew and of course the bourbon cowboy and the Viking and we are opening up is this set 80 this may be 80 80 yeah episode 80 yeah. of the craft and puro whatever we do the yeah. nonsense we talk yeah so uh, we're here outside lit and hanging out with uh, Scooby Drew the gang and uh, Luciano is here with us it's been we've been trying to do this for a long time and now I finally get to see my buddy again so it's cool um, and we kind of did that thing we jumped in. Luciano's got a little test blend going here, and we're doing our pass around. This we kind of had it I pegged. Like this a lot. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. We kind of had it pegged to be with him on our uh, first year anniversary. Mm-hmm. That got kind of blown out of the water with COVID. And last year, and you're supposed to come to it the first time. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Why we had yeah. To cancel the And by the way, we're listening to Stick Figure, which I recently oh, of course, found and absolutely love. Yeah, so we're towards the event, so we're away okay. and out of the way. Yeah. Okay. So and then like smoke him makes the sun yes, come up, yeah. and then he can stay. Whiskey makes the sun go down. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> that is some groovy stuff. This is uh, this is this is really good. Yeah. So we're sitting out here. Um, with Luciano, there's a uh, Ace Prime and Crown Heads event tonight. Last night we had our dinner at Ruth Chris, which, you know, with the rain and everything coming in and affecting it the way it did, I think it was still went off without a hitch. It was yeah, it was fun. Those people did really a good job of handling. Uh, I mean, hats off to uh, Ruth Chris place. I mean that they were on it. I mean that was top notch last night. Yeah, especially, you know, trying to trying to have to rework it from everything working one way to being buttoned up and pushed indoors on, you know, what, 20 minutes notice? That's right. <laughs> you know, um, they handled it really well. Food was great. I think the pork was the highlight of the night, man. It was. It was the best dish. Yeah, for sure. I really, really liked that pork last night. I said that to Maddie. He goes, oh, no. <laughs> he liked that was it like a Jamaican um, bottom season for that steak or something yeah they called it like a, a Jamaican ribeye rib it had the pineapples or like the yeah. sauteed or grilled pineapples or whatever with it 
Uh, it was good, and the old elk was good across the board. Man, I, I really feel like I'm at the beach right now. You know, this song <laughs> and the way you dress, the school shoes you're wearing, and 80 degrees, like, feels like, I mean, someone in A little, yeah, right. I'm just missing the water. Uh, <laughs> you can imagine the water. You know? There we go, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's great. Drew's here. Are you smoking the same testimonies on right now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got, uh, we're actually going to be bouncing around between cigars because Luciano is, is you'll, you'll understand very shortly. Um, there are certain ways that you can do certain things to under understand things better. I guess that's a tongue-tied way of saying that, that um, will be really fun. But we uh, initially, we fired up the sergeant. And this is going, this is October, right? November sometime, we're yeah, talking. I think uh, end of October. Okay. And what what is this? The sergeant. The sergeant. The sergeant is a, a cigar that actually created about two, three years ago. Did you have a name when we made it? That's, that's one of the things I, I, I have in like the, the creative process. It's like I prefer to kind of stumble into a blend, you know, that, that I'm that I'm working with and then the brand becomes like the second step, you know, when you um, when you have like the whole product development. So you, you, you have a story. Right? There's a reason why you got to that specific brand. Uh, okay. So the sergeant for me was um, the best expression of the, the, the relationship, the, the friendship I had with a guy called Brian. Uh, Acevedo, who's a, a U.S. Marine sergeant, uh, who spent his entire life basically living for, for the others, you know, trying to really uh, take care of, of everybody. Right. You know? What is interesting about Brian is that I've seen how he acts, you know, and how he, uh, how, how, how he's altruistic, you know, a guy who's just going to walk an extra mile for everybody. He never ever told me any of the stories and awards and, and like things, great things he did, you know, in, uh, in, in all the the places he, uh, he was deployed, you know, like Afghanistan and Iraq. So the guy never said anything. So I find out late, years later, maybe ten years later, since I know him, that the guy got a got a medal of honor and, and what four or five ribbons or something. So it's a guy who doesn't talk much about himself. He doesn't live on his accolades. He, he right. And, and he just cares about people. And, and I thought about the quality of a man, you know, like someone who lives uh, beyond just, just his own world. It's, it's a lifestyle, you know. So I, I, it's almost like the message for me is anyone can be a sergeant, you know. Like this is for every man and woman who, uh, who need that kind of lifestyle. And I know, I know a bunch of them. A lot of big people out there. Yeah. So for me, was uh, of course was a way of uh, tribute, great tribute to Brian. Uh, and, and we had this blend made actually with this purpose. We didn't have a name for the cigar, so we named the Sergeant, something that we developed a little prior to the trade show. Uh, but I think you know we don't really try like to find names. Oh, uh, get product, real difficult. Like, and, then, <laughs> and then you just realize that it was right in front of your face, like. Yeah, the guy was a sergeant. Yeah, everybody calls him the sergeant, the sergeant. So why not, you know, brand it as a sergeant? 
I think it's a, it's a great cigar, you know, it's a cigar that was blended in that size of 58 by uh, 5.5. So it's blended uh, for, for that game. So it'll only be that size? So yeah, that, that was a PCA exclusive, so it was only available for people who attended PCA. Okay. That's why you guys advocate right. the store. Um, we do have some plans in the future where we haven't decided yet to eventually launch different sizes uh, of that same blend. Uh, but, I mean, it's not confirmed yet. But we are, okay. we are very excited because, man, that, that product sold a lot. So, yeah. Like, you don't have any expectations of this across the board. And, uh, people are really excited about the cigar, so it's being shipped by the end of October. Right. We bear exceptions. We don't see people really blending in a 58 or a 60. Usually they blend in a or 50. And then fill their way. And then fill their way into, up. Right. So what, what makes the cigar different is, try to imagine a 58 gauge that's only one leaf of sickle. So everything else in this tobacco is basically useful and You know, that's going to happen at some point. Yeah, you have to see this guy do this. That's actually, that's actually interesting because, you know, like when I met Hodge, he was a very strict 660 smoker, right? And um, one of the things that we have talked about is like through our friendship and being together and everything, um, well, I had him on the Traveler right after the first time we had met. And then we did some of the Picardo stuff or Picardo stuff. Um, but I smoke a few different 60s now because there's some that Pippin does that I really, really like them in the 60. Uh, but he's moved around to everything now. He Lanceros to <coughs> Julebers, right? It doesn't matter. I'm smoke all of them. Um, but you can see the roll formation in the ash on this guard in a 58, right? Typically, I've found when you get up to a 60, you start losing. I mean, you can literally almost trace like a fingerprint, you know, roll formation of the tobacco inside the ash usually when you get higher up it's harder to see that because i feel that maybe the i don't i don't know exactly how the bunching happens inside there right i'm not a roller but i feel like as you start cramming to reach a size i don't think the 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 bunching stays uniform so you lose it but in this you can follow it and see it yeah yeah usually uh <laughs> a way to, to avoid Burning issues with large, large range gauge cigars is actually used more and more, uh, more sick because it helps with the combustion. But also, the construction is important, which is the difference between the end to bottom or the bottom. Mm -hmm. important because sometimes you have leaves that are drier, that are, uh, they have more biomass or less biomass, so they burn at different speeds. So it's almost like when you're using one leaf to help the other leaf the same base so it's like the, the self-correction no you're, you're creating a about. controlled burn so right yeah basically I, you know, I can show you guys later but if you didn't bother so that leaf will kind of burn independent from from the other the rest of the bunch when you do this it's almost like you create this, this sort of a uh, 
effect here where the leaves are actually uh, way more blended. Okay. So like if this leaf here is burning a little faster, it will help this leaf here to keep the same Hard. pace. Ah, help it catch up. When you have the tobacco, you have like different tubes all pressed in the same size. That's where you see a lot of tunneling happening. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So the, especially on the large wind gauges, it's good to have the this too hot of construction. Oh, I gotcha. But it's... You wanna see how, it's, how, how it is? I'm not gonna tell you, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, while uh, Luciano's breaking that out, I think we're gonna start with this uh, Basil Hayden toast. Um, you guys have heard me talk. I am not have you a... Have uh, he smoked it right before we released it. It's that last sample blend. Um, Basil Hayden, I'm not, uh -oh. I've never been a big. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to smell the Costa Rica tobacco right now. Yeah, yes, yeah. Hey, we're, it's a free for all, man. We just, everybody jumps in and says. No, 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 no. Yeah, every, everything's cool. Off what is that? Oh, no, 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 no. They're used to our banter. This is actually episode 80. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, Dave. Yes, sir. This is the Costa Rican tobacco. Ah, yeah. <laughs> That's the good stuff. Costa Rica. So Luciano's passing around some tobaccos right now and sticking our faces yeah, in it. Yeah, I'll just show you guys. We're buff diving. Quick. So, this is a little sick. Wow. This is on the tapping. Good. Have you smelled this? This is the Peruvian. It's amazing. This is the Peruvian sickle that I was telling you I used for that one, Cyril. Yeah. This is the new, new Peruvian. This is per, uh, from Peru, Peruvian oh, tobacco. Peruvian. This is not Pelo de Oro, is it? Oro. It is, okay. Yeah. You guys all know Pelo de Oro? Yeah. I like when you roll your tongue. I'm, I can't. I just, You're trying, it's, but it's, I it's really like it. It's like a click. Like it's, it's like a deep yeah, like, sound, honestly. Yeah. So this uh, texture, this is all visceral. Yeah, it's a little, it's Arab still gold, got moisture, but it's a little Arab dry, gold. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's got a real, um, I mean, I recognize that smell. It's almost like I had horses, you know, in a stall. I had horses for 10 years. Not the stall, so but I mean, it's right got kind of a... Now. A hay. Yeah. If you've been yeah. in a barn with hay and you put this in there, it's got a very similar smell to it. I mean, it's, it's field, field pungent. Yeah. If you've ever been in a barn with hay and you open that up. Oh, that is sweet. So let's go to the construction. I'll show you guys the difference of the, the Strujado Congregado 
<laughs> and by the way, oh, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Luciano like, takes it. We're all got these leaves on our head, and he's like, Luciano grabs it. It's like, give me the fucking leaf. Yeah. <laughs> give me the fucking leaf. So, now so we're passing sweet, around man. leaves, uh, you guys who are listening to us. Okay. Uh, so Luciano has uh, brought more, different more packs boys. of leaves and uh, blends, or we're getting to smell. But is it is it very delicate, or, or it can handle? It looks like. Because initially when I was here, I was like, man, but it's just got the right humidity and um, you know, I feel to it. Not, it. It's actually fire resistant to tobacco. It's not, right. uh, it's not delicate to manipulate, uh, especially because this is, uh, this is seco and still like has a good body, you know? Now let's see, uh, let me uh, guys a little demonstration here. So if you do it, if you do it in tobacco, the tobacco is basically folded with the vein, uh, the vein facing this way here. So like you fold the tobacco, very simple, right? You fold and you create bunches. If I fold here, this is where I'm gonna fold the second one. Okay, and it goes right here. Now I have a new tobacco like a bunch for maybe a Corona Gorda. So it's almost in a triangle, as you can see, right? So what's the difference between the Intubado and this Trujado? Here in the Intubado, when the bird goes, if this leaf has a little more humidity than this one, or it has more body than this one, this one will burn quicker, this one will burn slower. So that's when you see a lot of the tangling happen. Sometimes it's not because the construction is wrong, just because the tobaccos, they have different biomass, different density. That's why it happens. How, how do you avoid this? Anything that's over 46 gauge, this at our factory, what we do, we do this trujado. So I'm gonna center the, the thickest leaf in the center, and I'm gonna work just with my left hand. This is just a support, so I actually I could bunch this without even using my right hand. See what I did? An accordion? Yeah. So, actually, this is a mystery hobby. But look what happened. When I put this leaf here, and I create another estrujado. It's anchored in there. It's anchored in there, and it's creating more and more passages for uh, for the airflow. And at the same time, the leaves are kind of connected. They are not apart. So what happens is, when the burn starts, now, one leaf will correct the other. So, whatever leaf is burning faster, it will actually help the other leaf to burn as well. Mm -hmm. Creating a self-correction method where the construction will always be on point when it comes to burning. So that's the, the, the difference. There's another method that sounds kind of uh, simple, but it's not. It's all about uh, feeling the leaf. So Cubans, especially the way they, they manufacture right now, they do something called conjugado. Conjugado is they, they grab the leaf in whatever format the leaf comes in their hands. That's how it's going to be bunched. Conjugado. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a really? It's a bunch of methods. And it works. It works. Especially if you have a draw master. You know? So depending on the type of construction, you might just do conjugado. 
useful guide a lot if you're doing like box press and we're talking before. So you won't actually need to create that, that kind of sort of a feeling, you know, like feels more the spaces. Yeah, it, it's the same thing as trying to create more and more layers. Or I can do a conjugado that has more layers, see? It's, it's the same effect. Whereas if you do it the Cuban method, it's going to leave open air spaces yeah. as you're bunched together. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's almost the same effect. I have a, a one type of congado here of accordion, mm -hmm. but usually it depends on the gauge you're doing too. But it's usually the length of of your fingers. So two, three, four. Now we have a base of a congado. So another interesting aspect of construction is. Like Ernie, Ernesto Carino, mm -hmm. he has a theory that he doesn't like to use what he called base. Base is when you use the sickle of, a leaf of sickle, together with, uh, with the binder. So I'm going to actually try to create, uh, I'm going to devang this leaf here, try to create a binder with this leaf. So if you're working with the Liberman, you have the binder right here, mm -hmm. right? And then, let's say this is a leaf of sickle. Then we're going to have a sickle here and a 45 angle degree. Got it. So this is, I'm using a base of sickle. Why? Because this help, it helps a lot with the combustion on the outside. Got it. You know when the, when the cigar burns sideways? Mm -hmm. So this kind of prevents this from happening. So it's a very common method of bunching and I love to use this method. Okay. I like to use usually just one leaf of sick on the outside because you know if you if you kept if you keep the burn on the outside looking good most likely everything else will burn even okay Ernie doesn't like this so he likes he doesn't use the base so he uses the sickle with the, the fillers inside and sometimes he double binds sometimes he doesn't which is a, another method of bunching you know so there's no right and wrong right it's just a just a way of how you blend into you know like if you're if your uh, if your sickle plays an important role in the blend, so they sh it should be in the filler too. You know, like if your sickle is not so important, it's just for combustion, you put it in the outside. Okay, but if uh, if you're using that for flavor or, or method of that, then you want it yeah. mixed with the filler inside. So it depends the what what is your habit of, of blending. You know, so Ernie likes to blend with everything in the fillers, and then he okay. uses the binder as well uh, to blend, which I I love the way he does it. Sometimes you do the same way, more like the smaller bitolas, but it does with everything. And you know, in our factory, most most of our most of my blending goes with the sickle uh, as bases on the outside. The Charlie uses inside and outside. Okay. So it depends. But now you have an idea. Yeah. So let's say I try to build a cigar, it would be something like this. I talked about the old lady and the young lady. Yep. Let's remove the old lady. Mm -hmm. And then what I'll do, which is, I'm showing exactly how the construction of the sergeant is. So I'm using actually the tips down, not up. And I'm gonna actually feel, because you know we have this shape of the leaf. There's right. always more biomass in the center of the cigar than here and here. 
So now I'm gonna fill with this tobacco just to create consistency. Okay. So when so the cigar doesn't melt as you smoke, so it keeps the consistency. I'm gonna fill up here because I break the bottom. Right. So now I have a consistent bunch and I have a concentration of strength here that helps my the center of the cigar. So remember that this is gonna be cut, this is gonna be cut. I'm working like with a robusto in my hand. Right. So this is the core of the cigar right here at the center. Okay. So then let's go to the Lieberman machine, or in this case I'm improvising here, my legs. <laughs> so, and then that's when the bunch starts. So if you're bunching by hand, you're not using a Lieberman, so your hand will follow the same, so you keep the same pressure. It's, it's going sideways here because of my leg. How's your leg, yeah. You have, you have an idea. Alright, so once the bunch is created, this goes to the press, from the press goes to the rack. So you have an idea of what a strujado is. Yeah. That's exactly how the, the sergeant is made. 100% is strujado. You know, especially if I'm working with a lot of sick on this cigar, so much easier I can do entubado, I can do anything. Because the sick will burn no matter what. Right. So it will burn, it's much easier to make it burn even. But then where's the where the flavors are? Right, where exactly. The strength is. Yeah. So because if you just use sick, it's just combustion, right? And aroma. Mm -hmm. So you want to get you want to get depth in a in a 58 gauge. You gotta use more viso and more the hair. Right. So and right. that's why the construction plays a very important part in making sure that the cigar burns well. Of course, the fermentation is extremely important because if it's not fermented, it won't burn. Mm, sure. Right. So. Yeah. And then depending, as you said, depending on the cigar or what you're trying to, this gets back to what you said, like everything will start the same way, but the bunching method and how you're going to finish it is going to exactly. alter depending on the cigar itself. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. you got it. Doing a little panatella so you can try the, the Peruvian tobacco. You see exactly. I fucking love this guy. <laughs> Every time, he's always like, hey, check this shit out. And a goose. <laughs> and this Peruvian tobacco, you uh, goes on a mule dias. So it's a very interesting. Uh, this is what you said in the mule dias? Peruvian and yeah. And the grog. Well, yeah, of course. Of course. Hey, I don't think we've ever done a cigar that had no Nicaraguan tobacco at all. Have we? I don't think so. That seems no, to be the, the base for the, everything. I think the only the only one that we never put any Nicaraguan tobacco was on the travel. Okay. Which, which was basically this, but with a uh, uh, Sumatra binder and the Sumatra was a double yeah. wrap. Nice. Favorite tobacco is Dominican Lord, is that right? <laughs> funny, you're a funny man. <laughs> but this so Luchon, you just you just rolled up. What did you just roll? I so just this is the up. Peruvian. I just rolled a Pelo de Oro Peruvian. Okay. And here's a Panatella for you to try. Why don't we do the same with that? You can pass along, you just cut you cut the end. Wanna 
same character since. You've met Martin before, right? I met Martin. Okay, <laughs> just making sure. <laughs> That's really interesting by itself. That's really cool. It's got there. There is not like typical spice, did you say? Like it's not not really peppered, but it's more of like uh, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Woo! I like it. Very bright. Wow. Yeah, man, Drew. So now I'm making a panatella with the Costa Rica. So I'm basically deconstructing the flavors of the Maldives. So when when the Traveler came out, when you guys first did that, when Prime released that. Was that the first time you'd worked good, with yeah. Peruvian tobacco? Or it wasn't the first time, but it was the first time that we uh, created a puro. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, cool. And I remember us talking about that because of, of it's, 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 it's very sought after, right? But the growing conditions are strange because of how the altitude and yeah, I mean, the, the plant grows different, yeah. right? It's a little shorter and stumpier, right? So today, I mean, there are so many quote-unquote good pesticides. There's no good pesticides, but good pesticides to fight the, the disease. Right. Of the blue mold. That actually can grow out of the oil anywhere in the States, but you're gonna have to use a lot of chemicals. Okay. So what, why it's growing in the <coughs> Because the high altitude helps, because it's lower amount of oxygen. So it helps the plant to not develop no, the whole thing. This, uh, this disease, you know? Oh, okay, cool. So that's why uh, <laughs> they, can't, they can't mutate and they can't develop, right? Exactly. Okay. So the, the plants are really small. Uh, that's why they use really small. Uh, but yeah. you, you get this amazing, like, uh, organic way of growing tobacco that's extremely flavorful. Right. I want a couple bags. I want to get into this, man. Yeah. I want to start rolling some stuff. Uh, why don't you pour some of this, buddy? Oh, yeah. Tell us what we're doing. Yeah, guys, this is fun. So what, what we're doing is, uh, so what is this one, Luchon? This is the... This is Costa Rica. Costa Rica. And this is the breakdown on Mildiasa, right? It's, uh, yeah, well, we haven't got to everything. I'm going to actually make another panatella. And then, yeah, we'll be sort of... What we'll do is this. Mm. Okay, so that's pretty that's pretty light. Yeah. It's really I think really it Diaz is. Airy. Well it's it's faint. It's you gotta think of the combination. Mm-hmm. Well I'm saying that with the the acidity, right? And then the, the airiness, the kind of light, that might be the, the kind of the muting that you were talking about together. So did you talk about this at all? This Mark brought to the table this Basil Hayden toast, and this is 80 proof. And um, they've got kind of a new, uh, 
expand a new labeling system, new bottle too, kind of new cork. Everything's kind of new about this. Yeah, they rebranded the whole the whole thing. So Jim, Jim, you know, Jim Beam, Booker No, all that. Um, Basil Hayden's had its issues, right? We've talked about how you know to get some of their color, they've they've added wine to the bottles and things like that, and they got a lot of shit. This is actual uh, basic true basil hayden they're going back to everything is actual single barrel blends that they're putting together and this and that and this is their level i think toasting a barrel is technically level four char like the highest level char you put on a barrel supposed to bring all that out but it's it's good it's the basil hayden i like it um because i don't say i mean in general hayden, we don't so. yeah, i mean no. basil hayden there's We're that 10 year fans, that 10 year rye that that i can play with but that's, that's about pretty it, really. it's got some fruitiness and not bad. Now, when you're when you're on the blending floor, right, and you're, you're getting after this, is this is what you're doing as you're putting the cigar together, correct? You go through these different components to try and figure it out, and then I, said, I don't yeah, know which one I like better. I think I like that one. It's just oh my god, I love a spicy. I love it. Revive the memory of the flavor, right? I gotta see who's trying to get a hold of me. Most of the stuff is already in a the brain you know you know exactly what you're working with so right. go straight to like the blend and try to uh, be creative and just kind of kind of tweak through what you already know yeah yeah now I, I love this stuff this is the jalapa We're really proud of this tobacco because we started growing this about like three, four years ago. This seed, it's a Criollo seed. So even on the, the, the thinner visions, you get a lot of uh, sweetness and strength. Right. right. Still the Peruvian? That's Peruvian. That's Peruvian. I think I could smoke that regularly. Yeah. <laughs> that is great. Sorry, I'm like mind blown right now. I don't even know what to say. This is awesome. I tried to tell you. Do what? I tried to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> mm. That's really cool how you can put all that together. I think yeah, so this is Viso, right? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This has um, this has some more head feel to it, like like you said, strength. Um, just d d predominant compared to mm -hmm. the other two, right? But um, yeah, there's that kind of crystalline cotton candy esque mouth feel kind of yeah. thing that I talk like. It's this was really good too. It's, good. it's kind of really cool to break it all down and see it, you know, doing its dance. Throw a torch on that. Sort of a composition of a Corona Gorda. Okay. Now we have the final. Is this that? This is the Nubias. Those are segundos, things that didn't pass quality control. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. The smoke. This is actually the Nubias. Now you can identify each one of the sleeves in the blend itself. So, Hodge, what he's handing out now, this is the Mildias. This is the full cigar of what he just broke down, right? Right. Right. Um, so now you've tried all. Well, that's the third one there. 
Uh, that's the viso. Um, so once you have, you try them all individually, now we light the cigar and you can taste it all at the same time. I got all. Break it all, see what I mean? And oh. put it all together. So you basically just went, went through uh, a tasting session on the individual tobaccos and then get into it. It's wild because even on the cold draw, you pick up the, <coughs> the Peruvian. And like yeah. you, can, you can pinpoint it now, right? Because it's sitting on your tongue because you had it by itself. Mm -hmm. You get it. That, that, that acidic sweetness that, that we were talking about. That kind of, like, is that what you meant when you were talking about the numbing effect, how to bring down some acidity? Yeah, um, so you'll blend in certain ways to bring maybe some sweetness or something forward to yeah. combat it? Yeah, like the, the importance of the Costa Rican tobacco here is that you have a jalapa which is uh, which has a high acidity. You know, it has, it has a lot of magnesium, <coughs> but it has very high acidity. And then the Peruvian has a lot of acidity as well. So the the Costa Rican almost like rounds up everything because we use it as a binder. Okay. Um, and then it removes a little bit of that acidity, which was what we were talking before about smaller bitolas, Dias uh, versus large bitolas. Right. Right. So this is basically the Diaz right here. It is. Well, that Costa Rica all by itself is pretty calm. Mm -hmm. Now, how often but are you, these? If we're recording this, you forgot your mic. Just to let you know. Oh yeah, it was there. <laughs> um, I usually talk loud enough. I'm okay. <laughs> How often um, inside, like I know especially with, with Ace Prime, um, how often is the Peruvian and Costa Rican stuff used? I think that, that was a tobacco, that's a tobacco that was so interesting, like when we just smoked the, the, the little panatelas, you know, when, when I went to Peru, and when we start importing from Costa Rica, that uh, I, I always wanted to do something. So we bought, we purchased a lot of that tobacco, you know, four or five years ago. And then we're just trying to find a purpose for that tobacco. And that's when uh, we came up with the new ideas. You know? Right. Uh, so was, was that part of that the thousand day journey thing? Is that Was that included in that? Or was that just, you know, scratch idea to finish? Was that the goal? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think that 1,000 days is how long it took us to come up with the blend. So that, that's <laughs> actually not the, the, the message, you know? Uh, so John, Mike, and I, Pichardo, we, we, uh, we're sitting at a, PCA 2017, and we had this this uh, blend already kind of figured out. You know, we just tweaked a little bit later, uh, and we just passed along, and, and we all like very happy with the blend. And that's sort of a uh, our our true encounter when it comes to business. We met before, but not like with that uh, with that purpose. And then, you know, uh, two years later, or a thousand days later, that's when we decided to launch Mil Diaz as a, a uh, uh, collaboration between, you know, Ace Prime and, and Prime Prime Ads. Ads, right. So it's it's almost like a celebration of that encounter. Cool, you know? right. Yeah. Uh, now, guys, I wanted that there probably will not be many times that you get the chance to do something like this. Uh, but if you're ever sitting with somebody that knows what they're doing that can do this, um, you know, like I've said, I've done it before. I can break a cigar down with my hands because Luciano's taught me how to do it, but I'm not rolling anybody a, a, a Pantella to smoke leaves, right? We're not, we're not doing that. 
but I have to tell you right off the back, after smoking the three, I'm gonna say stages, right? The three combustion methods that create the cigar, um, the taste of the milk, it's, it's gonna be permanently different, yeah. right? There are, yeah. there are sweetnesses. There, there is that kind of back of the tongue, acidic, what you would feel, where it's not pepper. It's not like black pepper that you get from a lot of La Hero, you know? It's, but it's this different kind of sweetness that the cigar now tastes like. Well, and I'm cool. just leaning sweet, you know, cause I'm, um, I'm not a descriptionary word, whatever, it's, it's just sweeter. I think the cool thing for me is, is to get a chance to smell all the tobacco individually and kind of, you know, file that and you've got all those different smells in your head and then put it all together and now I'm smoking this and I'm, I'm individually pulling all of those flavors yeah, like that I smell. Yeah, all three stages are the connecting. The smell of those flavors I'm pulling out of this cigar now. It's a whole different adventure. Yeah. It's fantastic. That's fantastic. I want to talk about Juarez. Sure. Okay. Um, so Hodge has become probably the largest Juarez fan that I've ever met in my life. Um, I really honestly just did not think he'd like that cigar. Um, I didn't really know why. I just didn't think it, it's it's his it's it's his cigar. Um, it's one of them. Juarez was you, right? Yeah. So we we, we blended Juarez initially for uh, a the German distributor of Crown Heads. Okay. We wanted to have a uh, special uh, exclusive cigar for them. Okay. So we. We actually blend that cigar with that purpose, following some kind of ideas that they had about some taste profiles that they want out of the cigar. So it was basically a commission uh, blend, right? So we we send the blend, and the, the owner of the store, I mean the owner of the distribution, smoked it because it was not his like palate. It was not like exactly what he likes to smoke. He just said, you know, it's not like what I, this guy's really good, but it's not what I want. So John got, got kind of a little pissed. Yeah, like, I can see crazy. that. <laughs> like, this plan is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And, like, he wanted to do something. And then uh, there was this idea of creating like a special uh, cigar together with uh, Thompson. Yeah. So they decided to purpose that land for, for Thompson. So the wires goes to Thompson, and they, uh, I don't know, it was an initial order of whatever, 30,000, 40,000 cigars. They sell okay, but they kind of got forgotten to all the other brands. Because, you know, catalog companies, how, how it works, right? Oh, yeah. It was their first project with them as well, so it wasn't like really, really popular at the beginning. Uh, in 2019, the trade show, like a, a month before, no kidding, this guy, uh, John, had this idea of, you know what, I'm just going to bring this brand under our core line uh, main distribution because they, they, they believe it in the product. Uh, and that's when uh, that's when he uh, basically uh, decided to bring in house and there was a new success, you know. Uh, of of well, it, it blew out. It blew out yeah. immediately, and I remember when when Dave had brought it. You know, when I had seen it for the first time back then, um, and 
brought it and kind of you had told me the story about it uh and smoked it and i was like yeah, it's, it's a good cigar you know i mean i like it i like the 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 feel of the cigar i i loved i loved the story on how now that label with the crown on the bull that was not intentionally done for crown heads right it was done that way when it was at thompson or was, was that altered? Exactly exact the same name. Oh, okay. Exact yeah. So it, it kind of just yeah. played right back in, like under the umbrella of Crown Heads. That's right. You know? You know what is interesting? Uh, during the trade show, they never advertise the cigar and they never announce the cigar. So people will come and buy the other stuff and they'll just hand them out samples. Say, yeah. This is something we are going to bring up next month. And they'll just hand them out samples. So it's a cigar that really sold by its quality. So it wasn't zero marketing on, on bars that, that's what is amazing it's like it was zero like really uh, teasing or, or marketing at all people just smoke it like it and ask for it and that's how Juarez became a success just really word of mouth and, and like you know they tried this new thing that those guys are not talking about right what it was and, and then i know when that is it the is it the buckshot is that the name of the size the one shot the, the, the shot, the yeah. shot? that thing has become i mean even even him it's everyone's you know quick smoke you know well, it's like when i still had burns the, 30, 40 minutes whatever the robusto or the toro whatever size i started smoking that Juarez, and then that's what happened i had i got a couple of the little ones the buckshots whatever you want to call them i it just when i had that it just brought it to another level i was like wow I know there's just a real earthiness uh, to that that just really smokes good for me and my palate. I, I really, really grown to love it. That's not my favorite, but it's definitely one of them. Yeah, for sure. Where you at? All four years. Oh, we're no, talking yes. about the Juarez right yes. now. Okay. There's. My God. So yeah, you know it was a, it's a fun journey, man. It's been a fun journey. It's been it's been good being with Crown Heads, right? Oh, yeah. With the partnership. Of course, there's true synergy there. Yeah, yeah. It's good for both of us and coming up with great great products. John Joe Hoover is such an amazing talent too. So I tell you, he posted the other day uh, an analogy that we keep talking about. Like I bring the beats and then he kind of use the bounce thing. Yeah. Put, put the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of so. John has this capacity of. Imagine a product uh, without having to even go through the stages of like you know you know you know when you brainstorm something like you know trying to kind of come up with ideas. It's like John almost like dreamed the whole thing like package, flavor, and everything. And then he feels like when I bring the the blends, he, he feels the blend and said, "Man, this is exactly what I dream of this uh, this brand here." That's exactly what I picture up for it for this brand. Uh, that's what happened with the with the CHC now. You know, the, I always name my blends so I don't forget them. Right. Because <laughs> uh, a lot of people are just writing paper proportions and stuff. But just put in my head. Yeah, a way of, of memorizing it is just by giving names that have some sort of meaning. Okay. So the CHC started as saboroso, which in, in Spanish it means flavorful. And in Portuguese, is, is one of, it's one of the very similar words between Spanish and Portuguese. It's with S, not Z. Okay. Uh, and it also means uh, full of flavor, flavor. 
So I, I named that Saborosa. This was probably about two years ago, too. And then when John developed the, the, the idea of, of, when he was inspired by the Van Halen uh, interview, uh, he wanted to call that cigar eruption. Pretending it was already taken. Okay. Uh, because of the exposure flavors, and uh, so we just gotta have that kind of synesthetic experience. So it was the Sonic inspired, you know. And then he immediately connected to Saboroso. That's the point. That's that's what it is. That, that's what I'm, I feel like would be the right blend for this product. So I don't know anyone honestly that has that capacity to just imagine everything like the packaging, the logo, the colors, the feeling, the vibe, you know, like the, the, the depth of how that brand is going to play in the market. Yeah, that's, that's unique to be able to literally, you know, everyone, everyone, you have an idea, right? Everything starts as an idea, then you go pin the paper or pin the napkin or... <laughs> I'm a napkin guy. You're not I know you're guy. looking yeah. at me laughing. I draw up all my stuff on um, my napkin. You know, and then usually, like you said, like you go through it, and the, by the time you're finally done, the memory of the original idea is there, but it's become something else. But to be able to, you basically plotted your entire trip, and you're like, no, okay, I know how it's going to finish, and I trust these people that are going to get me there. And there's, there's just, it sounds like there's just so much trust there and belief that he hits the idea, and then you obviously vibe the same way he did because you take the idea and then you're like, hmm, okay. You're feeling it, you blend it, you roll it, you bring it. And he goes, we're good. Listen, we have like different, uh, there are different situations where like the blend came first and then John just like, man, you gotta do something with this. And then the next day he has this like amazing idea. Or sometimes you have the idea he says, man, I, I had this idea, what do you feel? So like when the, with the Van Halen uh, song too, he kind of sent it to me a text message with the song. He said, what do you feel when you listen to this? And I started describing uh, what I felt of the song, because I have synesthesia, it's a disease, and it's just a complicated thing, but I, I heard that and I had feelings, I had true feelings and you know, goosebumps and, and like seeing colors and feeling flavors. And he said, uh, I, I don't know, I just I just told him like when I when I listen to the song, I actually feel like I tasted that cigar before. So I had the experience before. And then John says, I think so too. And I think the Sabarosa. So that was, you know, amazing. So the, yeah. the product came up was just amazing. So I'll show you something here, which I can't I'm not gonna read out loud, okay. but okay. you understand what I'm saying. This just happened now. It's not like it happened like ten minutes ago. Just, just read it. Just don't read all that. Just want to see your reaction. Great podcast content. Oh, no, I mean, yeah, the people will get curious. <laughs> yeah. This just happened right now. Look at what time was sent. Ten minutes ago. Start yeah. a podcast mm -hmm. called The Tool Club, where everybody, it's everybody all people. See the just creation process right now? Yeah. That's, 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 <clears throat> that's, that's what it's it like, is. So, now, and that's how that little conversation will start? That, that's a, this is conversation. So this is going to turn into something. You know? This is just Dude, a... That's a fucking wild. This is a uh, conversation that's happening now. And then... Uh, that is well, that's just wild. I'll have to let me know when I'm going to be selling it next year. But listen... It's coming around, Dave. <laughs> and, this is, and this is something that I know why he's sending this to me. Because 
three days ago. We were sitting at, at his office. Right. And then I we had we had kind of product development season now, so I kind of I brought a bunch of samples of different things. Uh, and you know, so each one of us is, is coming from a different direction, but exactly the same. Well, you come and you're, you're meeting. It, it yeah. seems that you're meeting in the middle, one way or the other. You're getting there, you know. Um, man, that's that's insane. And then once you have to, because you explained it first, and then you read it, you can see where, you know, like I, I'm. That's a very unique style, creativity that you can, or in, inspiration, I guess is what is that what you call it? creativity, inspiration, both. You know, I mean. To, to be able to take something like that and then you're already like you're already thinking oh okay my brain is already like what is it what so I know I, I actually kind of know I think uh, what is the the blend for this you know, and why this is being brought up <laughs> so that's pretty crazy it's a coincidence we right well that's that's, that's actually crazy. hilarious yeah like 20 minutes ago it's, that's awesome um that is that is really cool and you know it's it's actually cool to hear that that you know because a lot of companies and we were kind of having fun with some companies earlier right just goofing off and whatnot but every time you read a story about how a blend came to be right there's always this long drawn painstaking amount of trial and error that came to this final product and we're so same happiness we have in this the happy we have the last one right it's always that way we're a little, literally here. You're talking two minds, just ping, ping. <laughs> Check this shit out. <laughs> you go, oh, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I super stupefied and simplified yeah, that. But more than that'll work. <laughs> no, I know, but it's still, you know, it's like, <laughs> damn. It's well, it's kind of the same process me and you went through. I mean, you're well, like, yeah. It was yeah. like, I was like, okay, you got any ideas on the name of our first cigar? And you said, well, what do you got? I go, I got, I got a whole bunch of shit in my head, so what do you think? And then you said something about an anchor. And then I remember you saying something like, you know, you can never go wrong with a skull. Everybody a likes skulls. I love fabulous. skulls. So yeah. then the next thing I know, I grab the napkin, I draw an anchor, and then for the tie down, we put the skull head on there with one eye. Yeah. The Cyclops anchor. And then the next thing you know, we're like, oh yeah, that's we're done. Yeah, it, it was kind we're of, done. it was kind of, somewhat the same kind of thing. You know, we said we got to talk, and I wanted to be anchor, right? The anchor is your starting point. You know, if you go on a voyage, the first time you stop, you have to drop anchor, right? You start somewhere, it holds you in place, and you can always come back to where the anchor's been, right? This is the logo. And I thought it would be about. cool to do that, and that's what I said to him. I was like, hey, I want an anchor, and you can never go wrong with a skull. And then he drew that up on a napkin. And and rolled it out. It was cool, you know. It was fun. And then the second one was even quicker. Yeah. I was like, well, for our second one, I carve pumpkins. I love Halloween. I've carved thousands of pumpkins. And uh, so that's not too unique to do a pumpkin, put a face on it. But yet, then what's going to be the name? We got the Cyclops, and then I don't know. I listen to this music, um, and in this music, he talks about going out on a hooligan night and enjoying all the festivity, uh, uh, festivities and the revelry of an evening being a hooligan. 
And I'm like, oh man, that sounds fantastic. We should call the next one the Hooligan. And I got this black and white pumpkin drawn up, and there we are on the second one. But we yeah. still working on the. It'll be uh, it's it's cool though to to hear that like 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 how those came together, and then you and John doing your thing together, and um, it's very similar because tied in the music where I heard on a Hooligans night, right. and everything in that song. Screaming Jay Hawkins is the guy who yeah. sings the song. Yeah. And then, you know, love for pumpkin carving and whatever, and then find a blend that kind of fits that personality and what we're trying to do. Feed That's into super it for cool. sure. That's why when somebody tells me they start complaining about a $10 cigar, I'm like, you know, you really knew everything that went into that cigar from conception to field, the seed field, to market, and everything that goes around it, it's it's amazing, it's only $10 in some ways, you know? For sure, yeah, we've, we've talked about that before. I mean, um, shit, I got, you told me about the roller in your in your factory, that, that young lady. Um, I got all teary-eyed and shit. It was, you know, I mean, like, it's, I've told this to people over and over. I'm like, you know, anytime if something's ever wrong with the cigar, right? There's, there's something's going to be wrong with one or two, right? It, it's it's handmade, right? I like to say that we don't have one factory; we have one factory. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that way too. I like that. Yeah. I mean, the amount. Arsenio Ramos used to say that. Huh? The old Arsenio Ramos. Yeah. Used to say that they wouldn't work to work with Fernandez Argos. Okay. And then our guys, our older guys, have to go and sit down with them after hours or go to the back of the factory and say, listen, this is what a Strahabra is, this is how, and then basically teach them how to budge again. You know, because they have the skills they learn really quick, uh, but supervising it and making sure that they apply that to every single cigar that's made, it's a challenge as well. Because there's so many components to the, you know, to the, the creation of a cigar. It's amazing how actually you get all the cigars that basically tastes the same, with so many variants. Right. Uh, and the, the, the work that goes behind it, from, from drying the leaf from the fruits, and drying the leaf from the weather in that year, uh, how to kind of keep the consistency, and do exactly the same taste profile that people are looking for. Over and over and over and over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's... By the way, do you want to dismystify something too? Yes, I do. Think about it. Same thing with grapes, but in wine, people understand that in tobacco is still there's a lot of misinformation about this. If I had a weather like we had last year, there's mm -hmm. a lot of rain in the crop, uh, two hurricanes, non-stop raining from August to November, non-stop. Of course, 
whoever started planting the back in November got a soil that was washed out by the for the minerality, the composition is completely different. You have less sun, you have the wind actually washing all the oils of the plant. Mm -hmm. So the fermentation process will be different. So I know that one year from now, that tobacco that we grew last year will not taste the same as the tobacco that I grew the year before. Okay. It's not just applying the same method of fermentation. It's actually varying the method of fermentation. You have to alter it to get the yeah. original effect. That's why when you ask me how many cigars you smoke a day, when I'm down at the factory, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time at, in our uh, processing facility. So I go and I'm always checking the leaf and see how they behave. Is that the office you're normally in down there? No, I, I stay at the factory. Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's very, uh, everything's like within five minutes in this Okay, right? okay. So now I'll go to the processing facility and then I'll try the tobacco that we can see how the tobacco's behave. Sometimes a tobacco that you age for 18 months, depending on how the weather was on that new batch of tobacco, that tobacco might get ready in 12 months because it was too washed out. So now the fermentation, you cannot apply too much fermentation, otherwise you start losing flavor, start losing strength. So sometimes the opposite can happen. There's no, not much rain, and the way we primed, there was too much sun into, into the leaves. Now you have a bunch of viso thick and dense and strong, so now, I need to apply a longer fermentation to achieve that same result and, and, and make that cigar really taste as close as possible to what was tasted a year ago or two years ago. Right. So that, that process is very dynamic. Yeah. It's not like a static it's, it's not. Yeah, it's not a just it's plant. Like two leaves of these, yeah. <laughs> 20% of that, 10% of these, put all together, you have this cigar. It doesn't work like that. So the blend also uh, is dynamic. So sometimes I'm working with the circle and I notice that the, the strength of the cigar is not reaching the point that it was reaching before. So I use the same tobacco, same region, same seed, but I'm going to actually now sort it out that circle to get the thicker leaves. Because now I need a little more body coming from that circle, the palado, or the piece of the hair. Just an example. So there's always this dynamic uh, process with the manufacturing Right. I tell him all the time that the bourbon industry is so similar whiskey and you know I always say bourbon but it's the same it's mimics the tobacco industry too because you have that process of distilling which you can do a lot of things with but then also like the oak that you use those oak barrels well here in Missouri uh, we've got a lot of white oak but where so you've got white oak in Rolla You've got White Oak and Springfield, and depending on the weather and those trees, they're finding that the barrels are different. Uh, the oak is a little different. They're getting a different taste out of that oak, even in the same region, the oak. And then the same way once it gets to the rick houses, depending on where it is in the rick, you're going to get hotter, high, you're going to get sweeter, low. And also how old the barrel is, too. Yes. And the wine, yeah. there's a lot of uh, difference. Like a lot of similarities. Here. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's amazing how that, how that, you get through that and... It's actually fascinating how, especially with that example you put up, how the, the amount, the wealth of knowledge that you have to have, or experience maybe, or maybe just 
you have to have a certain uh, ability of tasting to be able to for that thing to kind of happen you know and there's a lot of you have to have a lot of trust inside your factory you know yeah, because you're blessed you have very good people there too you know like Chargo is definitely a of yeah. So you guys um, are expanding, right? That's probably you're building out. Um, yeah, we uh, we've been uh, we've been expanding quite a bit in the last five, six years. But of course now with the partnership with Crown Heads, it's been amazing. We actually shift our business model more than we expanded. So we've been manufacturing uh, a similar amount of cigars for a long time. The difference is now uh, most of our product clients we pass to some, some other factories. Now we're mostly producing just uh, Hispanic brownheads. Oh, okay. So that was cool. Like just a shift in the business model. Uh, so you're still well, you're still doing the same the same amount of volume. Yeah, but we, are, you've, no, we, we are growing the volume, but yeah. the, like you know, it's not much different. I mean, it's at a very interesting pace. Uh, but we, yeah, we're just focusing 100 percent or 90 percent of our efforts into uh, our own brands. Yeah. Are you to, when you say farm expansion? Are you talking land expansion, or yes. just production in general? Yeah, of course. You know, you need more land to uh, expand the amount of tobacco you plant. So it's it's uh, there are several components here. We have the we have most of the land in all these areas. The way we like to operate too is to make sure that people who are in those areas are employed, they have a fair wage, and at the same time. They're happy. So instead of going just buying everybody out, so sometimes we just go in and say, you know, we identify good producers in the area, because a lot of small producers in this area, identify them and say, listen, we have a method. We want you to follow this method. If you do so, uh, I will rent your land and you can continue to work where you are. As long as you follow this process that we have, uh, you are you become part of the team person. So we financed their, their, uh, their operation. Uh, that became a good way of expanding in Alapa, Vega. We've been expanding a lot just by uh, bringing some very good farmers that we know for many years 
on board. Right. And we basically uh, take over all the, the operational side in terms of technology and providing uh, all the means that are necessary to be producing good quality tobacco. It's good for them because they are learning as well. It's good for us because they, they are basically chewing the tobacco as, as their own. Uh, and they're guaranteed that we are basically uh, taking care of leather kids. So right. Buying the tobacco, we are uh, using 100% of the tobacco that's being produced. And uh, you can focus on all that and they can just focus on growing the tobacco. Yeah, so we, we still have our, our supervision manager, our equipment, but they they apply their labor. Yeah. And we respect that, uh, that they respect a lot uh, the people that are involved in, in the process. It's, a, it, it's not, not something new, it's actually helpless sense I've been doing for many years. So like in Jalapa, uh, I dare to say that maybe 50% of what he has is basically uh, coming from the same business model that we decided to apply. Really? I didn't know that. We had we had had this conversation before too, and I know I'd done it with Hodge too. I was talking about, um, you know, we were talking about how, you know, the early two thousands, whatever, when somebody would take ten thousand dollars and go to a factory and get cigars, label it, and now they're a cigar manufacturer, and you know they're rollers and blenders and, and this and that, right? Um, I used to always joke. I'm like, well, here's the thing, you know, you can't just move to Esteli and buy a farm right you can't just buy property and start growing tobacco you know like like you just said a lot of small organizations or families or operations are handling this stuff they're just going to up and sell to you for you to take it right because if that were the case you guys all would have done it years ago you know i mean you would you would have just bought it up because then it was yours you own it you wouldn't have you wouldn't have to worry about anything else you know but it's you can't do that so when people use that you know or they they create a farm in which that or a location right you know i've always loved like this is an esteli bureau and i'm like okay so from where you know and it's like i don't know every little town and location in esteli right but most of the time you find out that it's like oh it's uh nick perdomo stuff right or it's it's some of rocky's stuff right but instead of saying oh it's rocky's tobacco or it's nick perdomo's tobacco it's it's an esteli pure you know that's where i get it from yeah so the esteli region is really big so it's funny how some some tobaccos when you say that luciano you mean like for example like missouri so we've got st louis we've got 270 miles Kansas City. You've got Columbia, who's about 100 miles out of St. Louis. Is it size-wise, so, are we? Uh, the, Nicaragua is a small country, right? So you can basically cross from one side to the other. Uh, and well, because of the roads, it takes a little longer. But we're <laughs> probably talking about uh, 250 miles between the Pacific and the, and the Atlantic. So it's about and the size then, of Missouri. And then like probably 350 miles from actually south to the north border, uh, I mean south border uh, of Costa Rica, north border of Honduras. It's a small country, but if you think about Esteli, um, it's one of the largest uh, largest uh, provinces of Nicaragua. So you have Esteli City, which is, there's a lot of uh, tobacco uh, that comes from uh, the, the outskirts of the city. And then you have the, the Esteli District. Or province, which actually, if you go to the very border with Pondega, 
technically Kundega is actually part of the Stali. Right. So Kundega is, is part of the Stali province. So some people grow tobacco right there at the border and they call it Kundega, but it's actually a Stali. And it, it's <laughs> completely different than actually the Stali from the city of Esteli because the Esteli from city city has a different altitude. And we have more mountains mm -hmm. close to where the tobacco is growing. We have more up north, the, the mountains are more spread over. Okay. So it's a different soil. So he'd been like, even within the city, just like wine, you know, if you go to the, the, the Burgundy region, like you, know, you walk, uh, I don't know, less than a mile, and there's another soil right there. Really different than the other soil. What makes the Romani Ponti cost twenty thousand dollars a bottle from uh, uh, a domain shade that costs I don't know hundred dollars a bottle? The soil, the the, the the amount of insulation you have in a place. So, like, if I have a mountain, I'll give you another example that my I, I think is going to blow your mind. Like, if you have all the mountains really close to where you're growing tobacco, the angle of the mountain. Will determine how much sun, or the or the or the, or the the size of the mountain, will determine how much sun insulation that crop will have. So that tobacco will behave different than if I'm in a larger area with more sun, less shade, or an area where we have more trees around, we have less wind. So the tobacco behaves different. The tobacco doesn't have to be so resistant to the wind. So now the nicotine that's on the stems start going to the leaves more, so the tobacco is stronger. You create more, yeah, that's, more powerful. Just because it? there's a little more wind going on. That's that's how crazy it is. That's crazy. You know, that's crazy. It's, it's and it's the same way with um, when they cut those barrels. Out of a good oak tree, you may only get two. Yeah. Big, big one, maybe three barrels. But they're even finding out of that one tree, the lower section of that oak is different than the mid are the upper section of the oak That's right. and they do the uh well they call it um a buffalo trace does what they call um, um the oak uh, oak experiment i think it's called the experimental oak. oaks yes. yeah yes yeah it's like amazing if you're, if you're in Estelie, the west side of the pan-american highway it's, it's closer to the mountains there's several tobacco fields there so their area will always get uh, less uh, sunlight. So, if, if let's say during the the summer we have during the tobacco season, let's say we have about uh, I don't know uh, ten hours of sunlight, and then in the right side of the Pan American Highway, it's going to be actually nine hours and thirty minutes of sunlight. That thirty minute difference <laughs> will make the difference in how the tobacco behaves. That's that's crazy cool because on one side you get like thicker tobacco than the left side of the Pan American Highway. Right. It's always the We lived in that's uh so, so out wild. in Utah in a <laughs> valley wild. in the Wasatch Back Mountains for ten years. And when I initially moved there, we lived on the Wasatch Back, the western side, right? And I told my wife within a year of living there, I'm like, No no no, we need to get on we need to get on the eastern side because in the summer you'll have the sun almost up till 10 o'clock at night yeah. and you're an hour and a half shorter on the western back of the mountains because it just goes dark oh, there. because the altitude right, of the, mountain, the sun right? yeah. yes 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 so by living over there you can hang out a little longer and you know 10 yeah. o'clock the drinks are flowing still and it ain't you ain't even had 
you know, oh, two hours down of dark time already. Yeah. Why, why people start growing tobacco in the study? There's a high altitude there. So they noticed that, so just, just empirically, but then later they found the scientific explanation for it. Like if you run anything by the ocean level, like the tobacco, like in Cuba, for example, that's why it's really hard for them to control diseases. Right. They have to, have to work genetically in a seed to become resistant to certain diseases. Right. So, but back in the days, like in the 50s, 60s, uh, they start looking for a place where they could grow tobacco and the soil wasn't actually uh, carrying all, all the mold and all the bacteria that some other soils by the sea level were carrying. So they would go to the high altitudes because it's less oxygen. Well, they didn't know that, but they, they noticed that the tobacco grew better in this area. So that's why they start growing. Now, if you go to the base of the Umetepe volcano, there's so much sulfur in soil that then it prevents a lot of diseases. So now you actually can grow a tobacco on the lake level, which actually, if you grow tobacco by lakes, you even have more chances of developing like blue mold and, and even more than at sea level. Well, because of the stagnant, constant moisture? Yes, and because of the, these certain uh, uh, fungus and bacteria that just stays in the water all the time. Okay. And, you know, different layers of the soil, that water is present right there. So it's, right. just, it's coming for comes up to, you know, for food. So, it's, it's fascinating, and I think what makes Nicaragua different than any other place is the, the, the variety of altitude, soil, uh, it's just, uh, you have four or five, maybe even more that wasn't explored yet, uh, soils in Nicaragua, that you, you, can, you can make a Nicaraguan puro, and it still be maybe way more complex than trying to bring a tobacco from Sumatra and a tobacco from uh, Connecticut and a tobacco from, you know, Dominican and putting something together. Uh, it has its same complexity. That's why Nicaraguan tobaccos, I believe, are, are the most, uh, I mean, Nicaragua is the most interesting area to, to work with. It's the best tobaccos. Yeah. Right, yeah. I joke a lot with Let's Ernesto. go ahead and throw that out there. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the best I, tobacco. I, I joke with, with Ernesto a lot. I told him, hey, listen, you won't discover the year twice with 100% of product. Yeah, I've said the same thing. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's Oh man, yeah, because you you'll get there's a, there's a lot of a lot of earlier Carrillo fans out there, right? That are just and, and he makes fantastic cigars. Okay, you can't you can't argue that, right? He's the, the the most important living legend of, of blending cigars. Yeah, that palate, oh yeah, he's a true blender. That's his. That, well, that's that that is that is true. He's yeah, true that blender. is true. He has this like like very. Uh, oh, I'll ask you when we're not recording. <laughs> There's somebody I have to ask you about. He's, he's uh, Ernie is one of the most intelligent men I've ever met. Yeah. That guy, he's a musician. He's uh, he's a drummer. I don't know if you know this. I didn't know that. Jazz drummer, like a very good jazz drummer. And he's a uh, previous life. So. Did you did you ever meet Uvezin uh, when he was alive? Yes. Yeah. Um. Was he still instrumental in his later years? Was he still playing music? I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I know. I never. I never met him. He was like I graced his presence once, but never like, talked to him or, or anything like that. Um, it's funny. There's a lot of guys in the industry that are somehow uh, in the music world. You know, like. Well, they say it. I mean, obviously, but John, the music, right? You know, but Lars. It's, it's Lars. Um, you know, uh, you. Uh, Michael uh, Kerbox too. Uh, he's a saxophone player. 
That is very true. Yeah. Right, yeah, how do you feel? I'm really excited yeah. about that too. Nick Perdomo is also a drummer. Yeah, he likes to put his drums out there. Yeah. Nick likes to put his drums out there. So the other day I was watching uh, Rafael Nadal. Yeah. Uh, from uh, from Altar, did you see that? Mm -hmm. So he was like making a comparison of composing a, a, a music and making cigars. I found that very interesting. He's also a musician. He plays piano. I didn't know that. He's with Altadis, right? Yeah. What did he, what is he, I always get, what is he known for? Has it just always been Altadis oh, yeah, or his company? Start, no, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's been a great, like, CEO for, for these guys. And he's a good player, too. He, uh, he just, I think, got a very good rating on the Cigar of the Year last year with the uh, agent group. That's, yeah, the, uh, the, the, he did with the, the Nicaraguan one, yeah, right? The orange label? Fernandez. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of forehand product where AJ blended with him. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's a always interesting. I mean, you know, we we always there's always music playing and turn his off. But there's even this uh, whiskey company out of Colorado called Accent Oak, and on the back of their bottles, when they bottle them, whatever artist they're listening to, they write the name on the bottle. So it's like turned into this little collection thing, right? I have an Elton John, I've got a Billy Joel, and I have a Sinatra bottle, <laughs> you know? And I mean, they've done every, oh, I have, no, I have a 311 bottle. I gave Soy for the Sinatra bottle. But it's really cool now, because when you get them, you know, you'll catch people spinning the bottle to see see what is, and it's fantastic. But I mean, the bourbon's great. It it's is good. good. It's They're really good. It's a seven year. The, yeah. The, the basil Yeah, it's, 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 it's good, man. I like, it's a little lighter. Yeah, I think it's only 80. I think it's only 80 proof. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's only 80 proof. It's not, it's not overwhelming. Uh, they say it's got a sweet caramel finish. Um, yeah, okay, so they call it, it's crafted in new toast charred oak. I don't know what that means, but I thought that, I thought you'd only charred in four different levels, but that could be me just not knowing what I'm talking about. As far as possible. Um, so, what are you excited for? Are we? Are should we be worried about tobacco next year? With the uh, weather's and the things you were talking about, and you know. I like the tough question. Right? Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> and you know this because you know I'm gonna answer. I know. I'm gonna be legit in my answer. Yeah, I know. So I think yes. I, think we will. I, mean, I mean, not us because we've been really preparing for this, you know, and. Uh, by intuition, really, uh, instead of, because you know, we, we were selling tobacco for a lot of them, we just decided to really keep an inventory, a consistent inventory, to make sure we could actually uh, have the tobacco for our own lines, and, uh, and we are very, very happy with the tobacco we have. Uh, but I think the industry in general, just like uh, the European markets, uh, Asia and South America, are suffering with the quality of keeping tobacco, keeping cigars. I think America will start to experience a little bit of that because of this book, you know, it, there's so much you can do. Uh, and and uh, unfortunately, I think that the largest companies are the ones that are going to suffer the most. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, you can see already uh, some issues. On the final product yet, but you can see like people like really knocking our door and like, hey, you guys, like, hey, how much tobacco do you have? And the classes are going like crazy. So I think uh, we should brace for uh, for some disappointments when it comes to uh, just 
somehow expert in wine and if you look at that phenomenon like the wine industry has been growing so much in the past 20 years because they have more information so they know where the grapes come from they know they, they brag about the vintage they right. about the region they like You're gonna... so that's what we miss in cigars so that's why I like to have these conversations I like to do this, this kind of events because I believe the more the consumer knows the more they consume I'm going to do it I'm going to ask it <laughs> So I, I, I went on a tiff last week. I got really, really, really irritated. Um, you know, that word sommelier. Okay. Uh, do you consider yourself a sommelier of tobacco? Yeah, I'm in a, in a, in a tough spot. No, I don't consider myself a sommelier of tobacco. But first, because that expression, it's connected with the history and culture of wine. Yes. So you're trying to adapt a word into, it's almost saying, this, but what's the responsibility of the sommelier? Sommelier is, he, he, there was, there was parameters of flavor and quality that was developed over the years by the, the French school of wine, uh, who created certain standards of how fermentation of a grape should occur. Okay. Uh, this, all this conversation we have about the soil, the sun, so this is really important. But the, the sommelier is the guy who gets all that and translates into how he perceives that wine and the flavor. So he can identify those flavors. So it takes a lot of work. Like to become an L2 sommelier, it's probably about four to five years of studying, like really hard. Like you, right. you, you basically train your brain to identify flavors. Some people are super tasters, some people can learn a little faster. Some people can, uh, I hope I have to hug this guy. Go nuts, go I'm nuts. Gonna, I'm gonna interrupt this. Go on. Say <laughs> hi to my dear colleagues. How are you doing? Good. Hello. How are you? Yeah, good to talk to you. Though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, basically that school was developed and, uh, and, and there's a lot of a, uh, there's a lot of a, uh, study applied, you know? So 
I don't like the use of that term. And on the other hand, I got excited to see when uh, this this whole like tobacco universities and, and, and uh, tobacco uh, education that's going on, the certifications. I think it's 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 a cool thing. I wish they hadn't picked that name, to be honest. Yes. Uh, Again, it's not to diminish the, the fact that they're pursuing knowledge and they're, they're trying to understand uh, cigars. I think it's a great thing. Uh, I think it, it somehow uh, became sort of a marketing uh, well, and, and that's that's where my, my question lined in, right? Because I've said this to these guys over and over. You're, you're literally one of the smartest men I've ever talked to when it comes about many, many things, but especially in this industry with what you do, right? Um, and I think Tobacco University especially, right? They have two programs I think are awesome, right? The Certified Retail Tobacconist, right? Which teaches you some good history, gives you some dates, teaches you the difference between Viso Seco Lajero, Criollo Corojo, right? Gives you very basic ideas of what those are, uh, teaches you different bunching methods, you know, where, where the Lieberman came from, you know, the humidor usage, things like this, right? I think that's great for anybody that works in a, in a cigar lounge. You know, it helps boost your knowledge, you know, and it helps you pass that on, right? They even have what I call the nerd point. They have a CCT, Certified Consumer Tobacconist, yeah. which again, it's some of the same knowledge, but it teaches you some basic things, right? Gives you some guidelines on cutting and lighting and, and things like that, and that's good for you. But what I saw with this sommelier thing is openly people that have discussed how they've only been smoking cigars for a year, two years, there's suddenly they get this certificate and now they're booking events to help stores and you're, you're soliciting knowledge that you don't have and you're, you're, you're wedding an industry. You're, you're, you're recreating all the bad YouTube content but now you're doing it in person because you got a piece of paper. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm less concerned about that aspect than I am concerned about this, this bloggers who just kind of... Because they start talking about cigars and talk about notes and, and, and they, they become some sort of a, a validators of... Oh, everybody wants to taste barnyard hay. That really, uh, that really kind of bothers me a little bit, you know, I, and I have a deep respect for many of the cigar uh, rating agencies per se, and uh, I, w I would say that probably most of them are, are, are close friends, people that I know, uh, but unfortunately, I was watching a video last night actually, decompressing from the, from the event, and yeah. I, was the, I was watching this video from a guy who's basically uh, sort of a brand ambassador for, uh, for a company, and like he spends his entire time just bashing everybody else. Just really trying to diminish everybody's work, you know? uh, or things. When, when I see someone who I don't know, I think the, I think it was with Ernie actually. I remember it was five or six years ago. Was on his products. Uh, someone rated that like a 78. I think it's such a disrespect, you know. Because if you, first of all, <coughs> in my opinion, if you smoke a cigar and that cigar is bad. It's not even worth of you rating the cigar. If you're doing it, it's because you want to hurt that person. You want to hurt yeah, exactly. You're targeting somebody That's at that point. And, 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 and second of all, so look at that man's legacy. Look at look at look at what that guy's capable of doing. Like the guy is one of the best blenders in the world. Mm -hmm. So if you smoke a cigar 
or three cigars that for some reason you don't like. If you if you are uh, uh, really if you want to be really respectful, what you're gonna do is gonna reach out, especially if you have uh, an audience. And reach out and say, listen, I smoke the cigars for me, which doesn't translate who you are and what happened. So what's going on? It could be so many things. Like now in this market, believe it or not, people are, are now counterfeiting uh, Nicaraguan brands. So they're stealing uh, boxes, stealing uh, labels, and, and, and putting any cigar and just putting the label. There's this fake Padrones now, they're, they're this fake... Uh, Christian just had one of these uh, warehouses robbed. Uh, oh, you're right. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And all the, uh, a bunch of the asylum stuff was taken, so right? Let's say, you know, uh, some of, one of these boxes ended up in a, in a store or something. You know, someone bought it without knowing that the cigar was stolen, counterfeited. You don't know how that cigar was actually even preserved. So they smoked that cigar. It could be that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it could be an issue with that box. Right. Be, so I think it's you're missing that, you know, and then you get a you get a bad rating, and depending on what kind of agency you're working with, that can destroy the small business, you know, especially like some of the small guys who are, who, are, who choose to be small. Yeah. You know, like uh, we we mentioned some friends last night that you know they chose to be small. They want to be small. They've been doing this for 15 years, 20 years, 25 years. And they've years. been small the whole time. They've been small the whole time, and that's what they want to do. They want to stay with 300, 400 stores, and they want to just kind of keep doing what they're doing. You know, like Homocraft is a good example yep. of, of a, the guy who decided, he, he, he decided to not grow more. He wants to be that size. Yeah. You know? So, and then someone comes and bashes this cigar, a guy that had that Everything legacy, that history. Uh, because of one cigar that he's yeah. not, you know what I'm yeah. yeah, it's not, yeah, that's I just, not I just right. I find it extremely unfair. And what pisses me off is most of these guys, especially the, the bad ones, uh, their their knowledge is, of course, arguable too. Like, you know, they, they, they self-proclaim themselves, you know, experts in, in, yeah. in, in tasting and flavor. It's a complicated. Uh, I get it. No, I just, I just, uh, it, it really, it really irked me because especially when, you know, it's, it, that, that would be like, um, and I'm going to use Dave's name because he doesn't, Dave Weglar's was still 630, right? Local distillery guy makes really cool craft whiskeys and stuff, you know, great guy. You know, he actually helped sign the proclamation or I think it's proclamation what it was, or he got a bill passed that now, as long as you uh, the whiskey is from one distillery, right? The the bourbon rule, right? Right. As long as it's grain from Missouri, made in Missouri, and one distillery, you can now legally profile it and sell it as Missouri bourbon, yeah. right? He got that passed. If you ask him if he thinks he's Fred No, mm-hmm. or if he can taste better than Freddie No, he'll look at you and laugh. Because <laughs> I know I don't own Jim Beam, dude. Like, <laughs> no, I don't. you know, he won't do that. Yeah. You know, he goes, I, I like it, or I'll try it, or I'll do this, or I'll do that. But he'll never yeah. amount to knowing that. Yo, know, we've talked all the time. Like, I, the reason I I'm so into bourbon is completely because of him. I was I told you this. I was when we I was a Scotch guy. Yeah, I was like did Scotch. I didn't really want to do much bourbon. Got to do it with him. Got him into Scotch. And I've always said, the minute that you think that you've got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. One, you've just gotten ignorant and you've become complacent and nobody cares anymore, right? That, that's where ignorance I, starts I, I to like take those, over. Those, those styles of expressions. Even like, John posted something yesterday about like being called a master blender. You know? 
Yeah. It's something that's just so weird, you know. I mean, again, uh, if you uh, if you start calling yourself a master, there's something wrong with you, you know. Because uh, and I like what uh, I saw some comments, like you know, if you the more you learn about tobacco, the more you figure out that you don't know anything. Yeah. The more you learn, anything the more you figure out like you just that. know anything about. We had a thing that we were taught is when you learn, as you go through the years and whatever, you're learning something, you are very conscious, competent. And then where you want to be is unconscious, competent. Well then, That's right, I like that. you become unconscious, yeah. incompetent. The cycle has to continually uh, evolve. It's like a circle. If you continue to understand that, you're growing as a person, as an individual, and anything, you, any craft that you decide to be in, or what you're experiencing or learning. Yeah. Where it gets irritating is the things you're talking about is once you think you get to the point where you're unconscious competent, you're really not because you need to start the whole cycle over and become more competent, competent, and learn and continue to learn. And in, yes. in connecting with uh, this thought with what we talked before about mystery it's very easy for you to be a master when you don't have to share anything when, when you just are not telling anybody how things are really, uh, really done when you start telling people and sharing the knowledge and telling them how tobacco is fermented what is your process how you do it uh, technically you are dismystifying a lot of things uh, and, and you know it's it's way more uh, more uh, weird to even call yourself a master when you when you do that. And I think social media has a big play in everything that we're talking about as well because you know you go back to you, why there's divide, why there's decisiveness, why there's so much split with people these days is because I don't believe that anybody knows. No one can rally around one truth anymore. Yeah. It's elusive, and social media helped bring that to the forefront, and everybody's kind of stuck in lingo land, nobody really knowing what the truth is. That's one of the bad things of social media. There's yeah. very good things about social media, but I think that's one of the, the bad things that we're experiencing at all kinds of different levels, in every type of business, and politics, everything. I think that's another struggle we're, we're having to deal with. Because nobody can rally around one truth anymore, you know. Thanks. Those are very interesting, interesting topics. Yeah. Uh, very, and I like to talk about uh, difficult topics. Nah. So. That's just one I, I've been waiting to ask you. I was gonna t when we were on the phone the other day. I was gonna ask you then, but I figured I'd just wait to talk to you about it and ask. It just, yeah, I'll never. Uh, again, it's just. Uh, I had this guy in Germany, a very good friend of mine, who, uh, who likes to kind of build a tower in a cigar, right? So, and there's this whole myth that, you know... If oh, he started that stacking dime yeah, thing, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> if the cigar, if you can build like a very big, big tower, it means the cigar has quality and construction. That's, uh, that's such a myth, you know, and, and became a thing, I don't know why. The more, the more you let the, the ash 
uh, in a cigar, the more that cigar will taste like tar, and the less flavor you get out of that cigar. So building the ash is a, it's an unpleasant experience of smoking a cigar. So the ash is supposed to be there to keep the cigar lit. So that's why, you know, when, when you, you have an inch of an ash, that's what's supposed to, to hold. You rest the, the, the cigar, so the cigar cools off a little bit, and then you remove the ash and you continue to smoke. Uh, the people love like just kind of to build the ash. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's fun. Oh, it is fun. So I, I, I respect that. That's what I was telling, I was telling this guy because I, I was in this uh, also live uh, podcast and they asked me that question. And I said, what if I tell you that's much easier? It's actually way easier to build ash when the cigar is fresh and the tobacco is under fermented. That's sticky? When it's fresh, the water helps actually for you to kind of stack the the, uh, the ashes. Yeah. And when the when the tobacco has more ammonia, it creates a little more density in the tobacco. That's oh, why, okay. That's why you uh, you can keep actually the ash. Uh, was was it John that started that 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 name, stacking dimes? No, it's, no it's stacking dimes is a different thing. So stacking dimes doesn't have to be a long ash. So stacking dimes shows. Uh, how the construction in the cigar is made and how the fermentation is. Because if you have a very long ash uh, and it's all holding, the wrapper is holding everything, it means the wrapper is under fermented and inside you can you can have short fillers, long fillers, doesn't matter. The, the wrapper is holding everything. Okay, so okay. The dimes is actually the tobacco that you see the construction because the, the tobacco, it's all, you see all the layers of the tobacco. Right. You see the marble look. So then you see exactly the, the, basically the dimes are the puffs. So you puff, so it burns one side, when you let it rest, it creates those layers. You burn it, it creates another Oh, okay, layer. okay, okay. So that's yeah. the second dime. Yeah. Which is actually a very good thing. Oh, okay. Are people incorrect then to complain about a super flaky ash? They are completely incorrect. Now, if, if, the, if there is a super flaky ash, most likely we have short fillers inside, right. or the tobacco is too broken, uh, you're gonna always have to be light all the time because the ash helps the burning to continue. Uh, right, and if, you, if you've got a lot of short fill and you have to keep relighting, that's because of the open space, right? Like yeah. the, the burn stops. Or, or, let's, or let's say I keep removing the ash all the time Yeah. and then I stop five minutes. Well, most likely I'll have to relight that cigar you know, after five to 10 minutes. If you have, a, if you have one inch of ash and you're just resting it in the, in the, in the uh, ashtray, you might actually wait 15 minutes, 20 minutes for the cigar still lit. Because the ash very true. keeps the cigar lit. That's why it's important. But if you leave the ash for too long, now you start smoking all the tar, all the ash flavor. That's why you're smoking. And so when you get to a cigar where half of the cigar is ash and half is a cigar, you're smoking ash, basically. Right. You know? And the flavors are going away. Huh. I've always, I've always, I've always, I've never, I've never been a long ash, like, I don't, like, try and do it, you know? Um, I've seen so many guys that that's what they do, every freaking yeah, cigar. Oh, yeah, they're, they're vertical. Yeah. That, that is a second dimes right there. So, each dime is one puff that you gave to in the cigar. So oh, okay, okay. Oh, I had that all fucked up, didn't I? Hmm. Another thing, too, if you build a, a taste profile, if you're using more seco and volado than this from the hero, 
So the ash will hold a little less too, which is normal, which is fine. It's nothing wrong. So you never, I'm going to say never, but usually the Nordeas will never expect like a huge amount of ash because we go with more leaves. It's, it has that complexity of using one more leaf than normal for each one of the Vitolas. So you play a lot with the with thin visos and that's normal. Right. Hmm. All right, Cowboy, you got any questions? Wow, I, I tell you what, a lot of them were answered. I didn't even have to ask them. <laughs> it was fantastic. I know, we got an event kicking off here. What time does the event technically start? Two and a half, three hours. Two and a half, three hours. I think we we might just get to hanging out. Um, yeah, sick. Yeah, Luciano. A couple of friends that can join us here. Yeah. But, oh yeah, yeah I'll move stuff around. Sure. Bring them out, man. Um, hey, so, um, yeah, we'll bring them out. We'll all, we can all get set up, um, or we can move in. It's up to you guys. That's nice out here. We can hang out. Going to be inside pretty much all night. So, um, you down to still hang out, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. You got any questions? Are you still trying to work out everything that's no, going I'm on? Out everything. Yeah, okay. got a whole bunch of new questions. Yeah, his shit's just gonna blow. No, and what's gonna happen is Friday he's gonna ask me. I'll be like, dude, I'm gonna Facetime you. Yeah, like, talk to this fucking kid. <laughs> um, no, thanks for doing this, man. Thank you so much. Um, it was really, really, really fun to go through the three different. I'm again, I'm saying stages, but you know, the three different combinations that create the Mildias and then to smoke it. That completely has altered the cigar permanently. Um, yeah, for me as well. There's so much more in it that I'm tasting now than previously because you don't get to do it that way. And guys, I did say try it again, only if you have someone around that knows what they're doing. I know someone's going to say, well, hey, I got some tobacco and I rolled it and it didn't taste like that. Well, take the wrong way, but you're a little bit of an idiot. I mean, uh, politely, I guess. But um, this was awesome. Thank you. We're going to get to hanging out. Um, it was like deep thoughts with Kraft and Puro and Luciano. <laughs> it was. Oh, I guess. That's what I've been in for an hour and a half straight. <laughs> contemplating everything I knew before. <laughs> <laughs> mm. that, that, that's how it should be. Again, I think there'll be more people. In my opinion, that's, a, that's also a trend. I think there'll be more people talking more about the process and being a little more, uh, more blunt and more transparent. And the more we have this, the better our industry will be. I agree 100%. And the, more, the more people consume cigars, and you know, the more the more this industry will be respected as well. If you, what you see is happening with the industry, like with the FDA and, and the, the legislation level and stuff, it's all ignorance. It's all because of they're trying to sell this bullshit industry. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's a lot of misconception about what a premium cigar is because of that path. And I'm glad it's changed, and I'm glad people get more educated on cigars and understanding the importance of the culture of cigars, etc. Yeah, 100%. I agree, man. We're gonna end it on that. Well, I brought a very nice little uh, thing for us all to taste. This is an old school bottle of Old Fitzgerald that I think everybody Dude, I like would like. Jays. We could go out with. Uh, Having a little taste of this, if you guys would like to partake. Let's find out you're a J guy. Yeah, go on and get them. We'll wipe out with the pour on this. They're not typical. I know, that's why I like them. Yeah, the other ones can look a bit much. Oh, thanks, buddy. I'll tell you what happened is I, I went to Vegas for the show. Yeah. And just, I bought a couple new shirts, but I was like, dude, I don't feel like I look good fucking at all. And so when I got back, 
Jess and I went to the store, I was like, I need new bass. Like shit that can work that I can plug in and play. So these pants, rock stars. I got, you know, my, my blues now. These shoes go with a lot more things because I've been rocking the red vans for a minute and those are just too loud. Go, go basic, classic, black and white vans. Roger. I, mean, I yeah, didn't know that, if he was going to come in. Not going to do that. that. Still I got to be a little more interesting, sir. He's got that. I, got I would like to get some Air Force Ones. I just feel like that may be a look that I can't pull Just try a pair on one yeah. time. Do it that way. Well, know? my aunt works for Nike, so I just order online and they're all working half price. So these are like... Well, shit. So, uh, so, what you wear doesn't make you wear. You gonna text a homie back or something? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I'm putting in orders right now, bro. <laughs> like, pull that sales sheet out, dude. <laughs> um, man, that was that was awesome. I know that's probably the most quiet you're ever gonna hear us be. But guys, it I was did like, tell you seriously, deep did. thoughts with Luciano and Crafted Pure because that was the most mellow podcast we've I ever done. I did tell. I've told everyone this. You know. We've talked about it a bunch, you know, like Luciano is easily my favorite. You know, it's not always tobacco. I'm not just trying to say that he only knows. He's a very smart man, he's a well-traveled man, but when it comes to tobacco, when you really just want to get into it, and, and like I said, put, the minute you think you learned something new and you want to put it in check, talk to him. I think we could have had. And you'll be, you know, yeah, you, you might you may be on the right track, but you probably didn't know much you thought you knew, man. I mean, it's it's really really cool. A week ago, I thought it was close. Jesus, I was wrong. I tried yeah, to tell he's, you. He's happy to share it because well, yeah. the the aim is to educate people. We want you to know because if you know more, then you'll appreciate it more, and, and that's how you can build real fans of cigars instead of just feeding them a line of shit. But I think we could have had a conversation about something that had nothing to do with about tobacco and it would have been just as interesting oh, we could. with him too, just well, you because know, of his even, travels you know, and everything. Right, he's a very soulful man. And I mean, when you just, talk knowledge, right? When I brought yeah. out my little Psalm Tiff, he didn't, he didn't just roll on that. He took Somalia back to the origin of the French wine committee that, that designed the Somalia, right? <laughs> Who knows that? Well, I knew I knew it was in the wine industry is where it started. Well, yeah, that's what, I, mean, I, I knew it started. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't know, know particulars. Yeah, I didn't know that that original. I didn't know that that originally was what it was for. You know? And the second one I heard was water, Sumatria. Well, apparently that's a big deal. I didn't know you could taste different kinds. I mean, I know bad water versus good water. Dasani Ed Salt, just putting that out there. So, yeah, it's kind of on the back of the bottle. Like you know, they put nutrition fact on there, and you it says sodium. Water here, don't you? Um, um, actually, it's not. Actually, it's it's yeah. not. I don't know if it reaches this far. Believe it or not, in the city by Anheuser Busch is some of the cleanest yeah. tap water in the country, yeah. because originally when the, a whole brewery was operating right. out of Anheuser, they were pumping their water and constantly treating their mm -hmm. tap water, mm -hmm. and over time, just the, the, the sediment buildup and everything, it naturally mineralizes the water. It's pumped out. Nice. It's actually super unique. They still create shit beer, but you know the water's good. That's the. It's the same logic for why a New York bagel is, you know. A New well, I'm gonna York tell you a joke why it's better, but I'm not doing it on here because I'm huh. canceled. So I'm just not gonna say it when we're live. It's water. Yeah, that's not what I was gonna go with. But. So you're saying there's no, you know, we, we will not get shut down. <laughs> All right, guys, look, we're going to take this out. Luciano's on his way back out. We're going to hang out with David Bitt. He's been all patiently waiting for us to shut up. So going to hang out with him. Uh, it's the Viking Mahal guys. I'm out. Hey, from the Bourbon Cowboy, man, I'm glad you guys are listening and hanging in with us. And, again, 
Till next time, man. Giddy up. Scooby Drew. Uh, didn't talk much, but good to be back on here again. Great to hear from him. Uh, so I'll see you guys next time we're here. Cheers.